He wondered if Mark even remembered how it had all started. How they had been two geeky kids trying to do something special, trying to get noticed, really trying to get laid. He wondered if Mark realized how much things had changed. Or maybe Mark had never really changed at all. Maybe Eduardo had just misread him from the start. Like the Winklevoss twins, Eduardo had projected his own thoughts under that blankness, drawing in the features he most wanted to see. Maybe he'd never really known Mark Zuckerberg. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Lit to Lens podcast. I'm your host, Will. The Lit to Lens is a safe place for folks who like the book better than the movie, just so you know. This is episode four of season six, Netflix and Chill, where we're going to be talking about the social network slash the accidental billionaires. We're recording this on Wednesday, September 9th, approximately 8 p.m. Eastern time. This is part one of two, where we will be talking about the film and adaptation. Um, in part two, we're going to be discussing the social network's controversial loss to the King's speech at the 83rd Academy Awards with Eric's mortal enemy, Mr. Charles. Uh, there actually may be another episode with Charlie later on uh, after that one, so stay tuned for that news. Um, just posted the episode on Bird Box, so check that out, you guys. And I am with the ever-present Facebook-using Zuckerberg apologist, Eric. Say hello to the people, Eric. What's up, Will? Big tech. Going? Big tech forever. Yeah, I figured you were a Monopoly guy, so I... I'm still writing on that. people's walls. Are you? Yeah. Happy birthday. Send likes. Year. Oh, yeah, likes, shares. What kind of news you post in these days? I... Whatever I see, I don't. I don't read it first. I just. I like to click on links, paste those links. You just want to move the, on with my day. You That's just want to get the conversation going, right? Yeah. Well, I kind of like the world to burn. Yeah. yeah. I figured you look like that kind of guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, we're back, folks. Last episode was Bird Box, as I mentioned before. Now we're talking about the Social Network, which actually holds uh, a dear place in your heart, does it not? It does. Um, th- I, this is actually my favorite movie. Well, of all if, time. I don't know if you knew that. Hands down. Yeah, I think Number so. Number one. Yeah. Well, I was 19 when I first saw it, and I might I, I might have been with you. I will have to look yeah, at the I can't receipts. Remember. But we were going to school together. Yeah. We were. And this movie came out in, uh, what, October of, of 2010? So yeah. it's almost 10 years from when we were recording this. Changed your life? Changed my life. For the better? I think so. Okay. I've seen it, it's, it, you know, two hours every couple of months. Really? Is what I put in with the social network. So how many times would you say you've seen it in total? Realistically, probably like 20. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. Probably not as much as I've seen Tropic Thunder, which is another favorite well, of mine. That's like a, yeah. A, a second. Maybe a distant second, but a second <laughs> nonetheless. Well, um, let's go ahead and go through the fast facts real quick. So the novel is called The Accidental Billionaires. The founder of Facebook, A Tale of Sex, Money, Genius, and Betrayal. Can I pause you there? Why are all these books getting crazy subtitles like this? Isn't The Accidental Billionaires like a good enough title? It is a great, it's a great title. Yeah. Um, Why do we need... The founding of Facebook, a tale of X, Y, Z, and... Because you need the word sex in it, because sex sells, and you need to sell books. And then you can't just have sex, you need other things as well. Like money and genius. Yeah. Okay. All right, go ahead. Can I continue? Yes. So, written by Ben Mesrick, author of Bringing Down the House, also a subcolon, or a colon here, is it? Colon. Colon? Okay, thank you. He's an English major, so... Bringing Down the House, the inside story of six MIT students who took Vegas for millions, which was also adapted into a feature film. Uh, titled 21 starring Jim Sturgis, Kate Bosworth, Lawrence Fishburne, and the uh, the man, the myth, <laughs> <laughs> the less said about it, him, the <laughs> Mr. Kevin Spacey, yeah. um, who we will not be talking about today. 
uh, for many reasons. So published in 2009, has a Goodreads rating of 3.5 stars out of 5. So, okay. Yeah, worse than Bird Box last time. Yeah, which is interesting, but yeah, we'll get into that later. So the film, directed by David Fincher, who uh, actually has a pretty impressive resume. I was going through his Wikipedia today. He's directed uh, the film Seven, Fight Club, Panic Room, Zodiac, Gone Girl, uh, and also directed uh, some episodes for some TV shows, some popular ones for Netflix, actually, House of Cards and Mindhunter. So oh, he, wow. He is a Netflix guy. He is a Netflix guy. And he's got a movie coming out on Netflix later this year. Yep, we're going to talk about that. Wow. Yep. He's a Netflix tried and true. So it was written for the screen by Aaron Sorkin, who has uh, penned screenplays A Few Good Men, uh, The West Wing, Moneyball, and Steve Jobs. So he's got a pretty pretty good resume as well. Yeah, Aaron Sorkin the goat. Yeah. That's it. That's, and, the, that's the tweet. Send it. <laughs> Shut it down. So this film stars Jesse Eisenberg, Andrew Garfield, Justin Timberlake, Army Hammer, Max Minghella, Rooney Mara, and Rashida Jones. Released October 1st, 2010. Rotten Tomatoes score of 96%. Yep. And a Metacritic score of 95. Mm. So, I mean, that's pretty good. Who are those 5% of people? Unbelievable. They're probably some stupid guy. Or the 4% of Rotten Tomatoes. Some users. blogger. Yeah. Some stupid person. We don't have to talk about them. And then it was nominated for eight Academy Awards, um, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Jesse Eisenberg, Best Adapted Screenplay, Aaron Sorkin, Best Original Score, Best Film Editing, Best Sound Mixing, and Best Cinematography. So it won three for Best Adapt- Adapted Screenplay, Score, and Editing. Um, so pretty good. Three out of eight. It's not bad. Well, you probably should have won Best Picture, but we'll save that Didn't for next time. Didn't win the big one. We'll save that for next time. <laughs> that's going to be the next episode. Um, and then, Eric, can you give us a little recap? Yeah, so I'm sure a lot of people have, have seen this movie, know the the big pieces of this story, but um, The Accidental Billionaire slash The Social Network is the story of the founding of Facebook at Harvard in 2004. The truth, the lies, the betrayal, not quite sex, and the, the consequences of all those lies. Maybe I should have rearranged that phrasing. It but, works. But the people got it. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's starring Mark Zuckerberg, Eduardo Saverin, the Winklevoss brothers, with appearances by Peter Thiel, Sean Parker, Sean Parker, uh, and other various associates therein. Yeah, big tech movie. It's very timely. So very timely, and it came out like a year after the book was published. So I wonder if they, uh, it was one of those things where they saw the book was coming out, and they just optioned it right away. We're gonna get into that. Oh my god! Stay tuned, folks. I need to read the show outline. <laughs> you should. <laughs> so let's go ahead. And get started. Uh, we're changing the format of it. We actually got rid. We cut our former game, um, Guess a Review, because Eric was too good at it, and I couldn't beat him. Facts. I quit. I'm a quitter. Facts. Like Lionel Messi. I quit. Wow. On my team. Well, he's back now. He's back, though. <laughs> so what we did is we extended the uh, tr- two truths, one lie game. We're now doing eight truths and one lie. So it's actually going to be a lot harder for you to guess the lie, because there's a bigger number of, you know opportunity the math says so but whatever emotions are, are different listen i'm not a math guy but chances are you're not gonna get it you don't write algorithms on your uh, dorm room wall dorm room windows not anymore not <laughs> for what happened so let's go ahead and get started let's get right into it are you ready i'm ready so there's only one line okay, got just, it and you, there's eight truths yes okay you got it okay number one jonah hill was originally passed on for the role of sean parker in favor of justin timberlake number two Aaron Sorkin was 80% done with the screenplay by the time he saw the book. Number three, Aaron Sorkin said yes to doing the screenplay after only reading three pages of Ben Mesrick's unfinished draft. Number four, 
In the film, there is a deposition scene where it is stated that the in invention of Facebook made, quote, made Mark the biggest thing on campus that included 19 Nobel laureates, 15 Pulitzer Prize winners, two future Olympians, and a movie star. Zuckerberg's lawyers ask, who is a movie star? And Divya responds, does it matter? Well, Divya, it matters to me. The movie star he was referencing was Natalie Portman. Number five, Army Hammer and Josh Pence, who played the body double of one of the Winklevoss twins, spent 10 months together in a boot camp in preparation for the roles. Uh, Justin Timberlake had serious reservations about playing Sean Parker due to the fallout from the record industry's legal battle, legal battles with the bad boy entrepreneur. Number seven, I think. Facebook's official drink is an Abaltini, inspired by the Seanathon scene in the film, to which Mark Zuckerberg had never heard of such a drink before until he saw the film. <laughs> Number eight. Amy's, uh, played by Dakota Johnson, Amy's line in French after waking up next to John Parker, now bear with me, I haven't spoken French in a while, is Tu fais l'amour à la jolie fille. Translates to You've made love to a pretty girl. And then the last one, the social network did not win Best Picture at the 83rd Academy Awards, like I mentioned before, and ultimately, ultimately lost to The King's Speech, directed by Tom Hooper, starring Colin Firth, Jeffrey Rush, and Helena Bonham Carter. Eric. Wow, you just had to, you threw that one in there. Just That was a gimme. That's a little layup. Wow, uh, unbelievable. Um, so, we know that one's, that one's true. Um, Do we? Well, yes, sadly. <laughs> I, there's a lot to unpack there, and I'm not going to attempt to do it. I believe that Jonah Hill was meant to be Sean Parker. Okay. I remember that. The Justin Timberlake um, record label thing, I think is real. We know that the King's Speech one. Um, you brought up two points about the writing, Aaron Sorkin. 80% done with the screenplay before he saw the book, and then he said yes to the screenplay after only reading three pages of the unfinished draft. Yeah, so to me, the, one of those has to be the lie, one of those has to be the truth. Okay. Um, and as we'll probably get into, there is so much of the book in the movie mm -hmm. that I, I don't believe that he wrote 80% of this before reading the book. Mm -hmm. So that's my guess for what's the lie. Maybe he says that, and I think it's bullshit, if, it, if that's true. <laughs> that's fair. Um, you are incorrect. So That's bullshit. <laughs> we can get Aaron Sorkin on the podcast and ask him to clarify his comments. But that is what he said. He said he'd finished 80% of the screenplay before he even... Uh, received the book or gotten the book. He, he had previously gotten the unfinished draft, which the publisher uh, of Ben Mesrick was shopping around Hollywood trying to get a movie deal done. And he had read the first three pages of that and said, I'm in. Um, so those are both true, actually. So would you like to hear what the lie is or would you like to keep guessing? No, tell me the lie. So the lie is um, about the one about Justin Timberlake having reservations of playing Sean Parker. Oh, he was just all in? Yeah. Well, there's actually no... There's no information if he was all in or all out. I assume he was all in. I just thought that would be a good one to throw in there. That was a good throw one. Throw you off the You've you know you stumped I mean? me. Yeah. I do like the uh, that Apple Teenies are now Facebook's drink. I laughed out loud when I read that. Yeah. I've never had an Apple Teeny, but it looks really gross. I don't want to drink anything that is like lime green. What? That's just a personal. Now, since I've turned like 15 and stopped drinking Mountain Dew, that's oh, just Oh, fair. Good. I was a big Mountain Dew guy. Yeah. I liked Code Red. But what? red is kind of worse than green. Yeah. Like, it's like fruit punch, but it's like... Yeah. I, you know, you got to sort of think about what it's going to look like coming out. 
than going in. Okay, we're going to move on to this conversation. <laughs> um, well, you lost. Uh, it was a good effort, but... You know, you did good, though. I mean, the odds were stacked against you. But, Eric, now I have more questions for you. What did you think of the novel? I thought it was interesting. Um, I am not one to really enjoy... I don't know if you call this, like, historical fiction. Um, it's sort of like... Yeah. It's something that's been reported on but key areas of the book have been like wholly made up, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I think he's the author, Ben Mesrich, is very clear in the beginning. And he says, from what I've put together, here's like my best guess at what happens during certain scenes. Yeah. I don't necessarily love that as a, as like just a matter of course. Why not? Well, I, I, my problem with it, and this will go back to my, uh, beginning rant about Facebook. Not really. I'm not really a big tech guy. Yeah, yeah. It's just like you're positing that the book you're writing is a factual work and yet you're spending like 35% of it is just totally bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I don't, I can't, my mind can't like coincide those two things. Yeah. You're kind of dressing, he's dressing parts up. Yeah. That he doesn't know the truth. Yeah. He has to fill it in with story. Right. So. And so like, is this, is should this have been like a long magazine piece? Is this like, is something different than a book because mm-hmm. you are just making up stuff maybe yeah. but i know you, you have to fill 300 pages and so you have to make up scenes yeah right yeah so i i typically don't like that however um i like i'm interested in these people for which, sure which makes it a much like breezier read mm-hmm. what do you think about the, about the book i liked it i liked it a lot actually it was actually it was a very breezy read and that's you know if it's a breezy read i'm all about it um you know it, it's very visual um, I mean, it's almost like he writes it for the screen almost. Um, but yeah, so I actually liked the parts where he kind of dressed up just cause I, I guess I was able to, to, I don't know, think of it differently and, and sit and say to my mind like, oh yeah, this is just, this part is bullshit. Cause this obviously he would never know what Mark was doing at this exact moment or like whatever. So he's just like kind of playing with the thing. So I kind of liked that a little bit. It kind of reminded me of a movie reminded me of the movie even though the scenes weren't exactly the same um so that part was actually um interesting to me but yeah i liked it i yeah so yeah one of the hard things i found was like just knowing this movie so well reading this book you're just like oh yeah that's in the movie oh yeah that's in the movie oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah yeah so it, it, it makes it easier i think yeah you know your brain kind of connects the dots for you yeah you know you don't have to structure it yourself your imagination doesn't yeah. have to do it so i think overall i forget what i gave this on goodreads i probably gave it a four. three or a four because I'm, I'm just a sucker for that yeah. yeah so you know it inspired my favorite movie so i can it can get a little but this is the second time you've read it right yeah i read it oh man like i think i was still in college so i, I want to say probably like 2012 okay 2011 yeah because I, I read it probably around the same time, and I, I'd given it three stars back then, but this time I gave it four, because... Ah, you've grown as a person. Yeah, yeah. You know, I see things differently, you know. So. Yeah. But yeah, so, cool. So we're going to get into the book discussion now. So, Eric, tell me why this story is worth adapting. Is it even worth adapting, in your opinion? I think so. I think, um, now I'm just trying to think of like what Aaron Sorkin, who read the first three pages or three pages of the mm-hmm. work, saw in it. And to me, it's just got to be like, it's all about Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. Right? Like, we should probably mention that the book, I think, he doesn't say who his sources are, but it sort of seems like the author has interviewed 
big players in the history of Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I think it's Eduardo, and I think it's Sean Parker. Mm-hmm. Like, from his knowledge of certain things, like, those seem to be the big, his big sources. Yeah. And then I think he's probably pulled some information from old Crimson, Harvard, the Harvard yeah. Crimson, like, yeah. clippings. He could also be getting information from, like, the Moskovitz guy or... Yeah. Chris, I can't remember, Chris something. Chris... Um, hmm. There's a Chris in there. Yeah. He only gets paid based on his contributions. And his contributions weren't that high. So yeah. he, you know, he doesn't get paid. He doesn't get any love on this Whatever. podcast. Fuck that's, Chris. That's how it is. But I, I think, like, the, the Mark Zuckerberg name is sexy. Yeah. I think it being set at Harvard in, in college in general is sexy. Um, and then I think the story is actually kind of interesting, just on its face. Like, mm-hmm. this guy in college... It's sort of like the, the Bill Gates story, but even younger. Like, it's a... A guy who people probably knew in 20, 2009, right, as being a little aloof, a little socially awkward, but he's in charge of this billion-dollar enterprise. Mm-hmm. And once you get a hint of, like, all these lawsuits that are coming down, I think that's probably a, a good story. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Zuckerberg kind of fits the tech nerd trope, right? He's kind of socially awkward, like you mentioned, but he's, like, a genius, right? But that's sort of a problem, like, to make your main character that awkward mm. it would be kind of hard to watch i think that's true i guess if you had more of a charismatic that's why we have movie stars you know yeah, there you go just Eisenberg for charisma in your field. so maybe at, like on its surface maybe that's that's a bit of a challenge but from for a the book, like the story perspective right yeah so you, you play with his like inner workings of a character mm-hmm. but i i do think just like the opportunity to write the facebook movie and People give it credit for all these, like, you know, prescient details about how Facebook, you know, today is, like, this behemoth mm-hmm. that has, like, myriad privacy concerns, something that you know about in your, what you do. Oh, I can't talk about it. Well, it's because you're very private. <laughs> um, but, like, I, I don't think it really goes into what makes Facebook, like, Facebook today. Yeah. It's more or less the story. It's more or less, like, an ironic story of this guy who's created this giant fucking social networking platform mm-hmm. who I think they say in the movie doesn't have like two friends to rub together to make a third. Yeah. And it's like this great character irony. Did you read it differently this time? I think so. Yeah. I think I, I think I, um, like process more of it. Yeah. Me too. I don't know. It, it, a lot of it made more sense to me and it was a lot more clear this time around. than I remember the first time I read it, it was like, eh, like kind of interesting, but I don't really get a lot of what's going on but now you know 10 years later or whatever we have like bigger perspectives i guess yeah more understanding of what how these things work and stuff but um yeah and plus now facebook is enormous it's way bigger than it was back then yeah and um, it was huge back then yeah everybody had it it's like it's like six, it's grown like 600 percent or whatever since then it was at like five hundred thousand. now it's at like almost three billion people and it's still room to double, right? There's still like 7 billion people on the earth. Yeah. Oh my God. So, Facebook gets the job done. Gets the job done, baby. Um, as my laptop here goes to sleep, let me just log in and figure out what the hell to ask you next. Um, so, what are the key ingredients to make this story worth adapting, in your opinion? Did, did you already touch on that kind of stuff, like the quirky characters, or is there anything else? Well, let's, let's talk about like the sex. Because you mentioned that, or I interrupted you earlier. Yeah, and you were like, oh, the sex sells. Yeah. It's just like, it's not really a, I guess it's sort of about sex in that like 
fundamentally in in the book they're positing that he's trying to get laid mm-hmm. and in the movie they sort of iron it out to just being about like relationships yeah broadly not like sex specifically yeah i mean the the things that they mentioned in the book are the facemash.com where they you know compare two girls two women um and they click which one is hotter right so that's like it's not really sex but it's like hook up well yeah that's i don't know that's just like base level attraction yeah but like in a weird and like uh demeaning way and then you have the victoria's secret model who like basically goes up to mark and sleeps with mark um yeah oh there's also the the um Oh my, I was about to call them hood rats. Jesus Christ. The, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> they're groupies. The groupies, excuse me. Yeah. Those are a real, those actually have, that actually happened in the, in the book. So, yeah. So I guess there's three instances. They're not hood rats just for the fans. They're groupies. I think, yeah, I, I think it's probably like you take that and you say, well, it's not actually about sex. It's more about this guy's pursuit of like other people. Yeah, he, he wants to be the cool kid. He wants to have girls come to him. He wants to, you know, be the guy, you know, be the alpha dog. Um, and that comes with sex. So I think that's a big motivating factor. Um, so sort of like sex, drugs, and rock and roll for, like, the awkward set. Yeah. And without the rock and roll. Right, so they could never do it back then, right? So this is their opportunity. They're the new rock stars. Yeah. Because I know, the cult, like, a lot of Silicon Valley culture is, like, demeaning, bro-centric. Yeah. So it's yeah. just same same shit, different uh, decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah basically, um, new, new looks. Um, yeah. So, did you like Sorkin's? Um, oh, I'm sorry. I love everything. Into that. I love everything Sorkin that's does. That's a little. That's adaptation. That's a little too. That's too. Uh, it's too ahead of our time here. Um, is there anything you would have changed about the, the book? Anything you would have added? Maybe anything you would have done differently? I mean, it's hard to say just because, like, this guy obviously knows what he's got from Eduardo and from Sean Parker. It's probably really difficult for him to do this in a way that pleases everybody. Just because if you're not getting Mark Zuckerberg, it's going to be really hard to tell the story of Facebook. Yeah. Because fundamentally, the story of Facebook is the story of Zuckerberg and what he may or may not have done with the Winklevoss twins or with Eduardo. So in doing this book, getting Eduardo and Sean Parker's perspectives... Those are like on different spectrums because Sean Parker is probably a pro Facebook guy and Eduardo is probably a anti anti Facebook guy. So maybe that's balanced out, but yeah, I mean, it, it, when Mark Zuckerberg writes a book, that'll be a big deal. Yeah, I'm sure he will eventually. He must. Yeah, I mean, there those kind of guys go through many lives. Like Bill Gates has been through like four or five iterations. People hated yeah. Bill Gates. People liked Bill Gates. People hated Bill Gates. Now people, he seems to have like a unanimous. People like him now because he predicted the coronavirus pandemic happening. Yeah, he does good stuff in developing countries. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, yeah, he gives his money back. Mm-hmm. Facebook after making his billions. Yeah, yeah. Zuckerberg doesn't really seem to be like that kind of guy. Yeah, maybe he's just not there yet. But he's um, still like relatively young, so. Yeah, he's thirty six, I think. Yeah. Um, and he's got yeah. And he'll probably live forever because he's got all that money. Yeah. But maybe he evolves into being a little more generous. I'm sure he will. I feel like yeah. I mean. Certainly, he gets a bad rap um, because it doesn't do enough with like um, policing these yeah out external so- uh, sources trying to influence like people's opinions and stuff. Um, but I think at the at the heart of it, he's probably like a decent human being. He's just running this enormously um, 
powerful products. You know what you sound like? You sound like Tyler Winkleboss on the phone with his dad's counsel. Like, you're right. I think Mark Zuckerberg probably is a good guy. That's Listen. what you sound like, Will. That's what you sound like. <laughs> Listen, Harvard Connection was going to blow up. Connect you. Connect. Yeah, when they rebranded, that, that shit was going to take off. I'm going to make my own Connect you. But just for Gmail. Just for Gmail users. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be huge. Yeah. Um, so, is there anything else about the book discussion? I don't think so. Okay. I think I'm ready to break. All right, let's break, and we'll be back. Hey, it's Eric. If you're liking what you're hearing, do us a favor and leave us a review, but only if it's five stars and definitely only if you mean it, okay? And don't comment unless you have something nice to say. My mom listens to these episodes. All right, back to the show. Hey, it's Will. Thanks for listening as always. If you have a few minutes, please subscribe to the show and leave us a review. If you like the show, share it with a friend. Just one, that's all we ask, and that's all you have to do. And now, back to the show. Welcome back, folks. Uh, thank you for those kind words from Eric and myself. Yeah. Appreciate I, it. As always. Yeah. We're always kind. Oh, yeah. And yeah. review us, please do. Um, joke time. Are you ready for some jokes? Yes. You go first, I go first. I'll go first because mine's bad. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Joke. What are the three douchiest words in the English language? Brooks Brothers franchise. Those are pretty douchey, but incorrect. Okay. They are. We row crew. Oh, that's good. Thanks. That's what they do at Harvard. They row crew. Yeah, they row fucking crew. They row crew. All right, give it to me. All right. Um, why did Mark not agree to work on the Winklevoss's project? Because he had a better idea? That's correct, but that's not my joke. <laughs> um, why did Mark not agree to work on the Winklevoss's project? Because he thought the name should be more specific than a school in Boston connection. <laughs> what? I don't get it. You know how Harvard people are always like, oh, I go to a school in Boston. They don't oh, say Harvard. Yeah. Harvard. Yeah, they don't say Harvard, so they say a school in Boston. Do so, they say that? Yeah. Who says that? All these Harvard guys. <laughs> Do you you know didn't go to Harvard, Harvard dude. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know they said... I go to a school in Boston. Yeah. You know how our, our mutual friend Scott used to go to parties and people would ask him where he went to school and he would say, I go to a school in Charlottesville? No. He said he did that? Yeah. I don't really talk to Scott, so I don't, I'm not That's really fair. surprised. Yeah, but so I keep having to explain my jokes to you, Will. This is not, this is not good for me. <laughs> Your jokes are too cerebral. They're a little over my head. I did not know people did that. Yeah. They're like... I don't know if they're, they're probably not embarrassed, but I think they probably think that it's going to sound... It shit. sounds elitist, yeah. Yeah. Go to fucking Harvard, dude. I mean, they got into Harvard. Yeah. Unless they, you know, had Lori Laughlin pay oh, to get their... Oh, wow. Get Shots fired. Yeah, that was USC, though. Isn't she in jail? She well, thoughts be. and prayers, Lori Laughlin. <laughs> um, what was it, like a job. water polo? That That's it? pretty funny. Now that I, like, I understand it. Thank you. <laughs> I just... That's all I need from you. That's all I need is your understanding of me. I'm here. Thank you. (laughs) So we're going to talk a little bit about the movie. I'm glad you guys enjoyed those jokes. Um, Eric, what is your history with this movie? I know we talked about it a little bit before, but I feel like it's something we we should talk about because it's not just your everyday movie. It's not your everyday adaptation. It's a little bit more for, for us. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, as, as I mentioned, this is my favorite movie. Um, we were both going to school together. I won't say where. You know, a little school in Charlottesville. 
<laughs> and uh, that's a joke. We didn't. We weren't really going there. That was pretty good. Um, and I remember this movie came out. I was really excited for it because I was really into movies. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I really wanted to be a screenwriter. And I bought all these books, like Story by Robert McKee, of course, um, like Save the Cat, I think was one of them that I bought. I bought Sid Field's screenplay, which was like the ur text of all the oh, wannabe screenwriters. And I, I was taking a screenwriting class. And uh, like it was my first Oscar season, really. And I was just like super pumped for this movie that looks really good coming out. And I saw it, and I was like, this movie is fucking awesome. Yeah. I was super excited. That whole year, um, because my class load was kind of easy, mm-hmm. I also picked up blogging on the film site Rotten Tomatoes. Back then, you were you were able to create like user profiles, and they had a whole section of user reviews. And I had a community of like fifteen to twenty people, and we we, we like, somehow found each other, and we would write reviews, and you just like thumbs up. And write comments on people's reviews. It was nothing like too deep. It was just like, hey, great review of, mm-hmm. you know, The Raven starring John Cusack or whatever. Like The, the Eagle, mm-hmm. uh, this like Channing Tatum movie from back then. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, it was just like you had to be on people's comments. And that's how you got more followers. Interesting. And that's how you got them to follow you back or whatever. So anyway, I wrote a review of The Social Network, which we're going to play later this episode. Yes, we will. Um back in 2010 just because i was trying to get my thoughts out there and yeah and become a become more critical about my movie thinking yeah i, mean, I wasn't like very good at thinking about movies back then but but yeah in order to become a screenwriter you have to think that way you have to think about you can't be a fan you have to think about it critically and like dissect it and stuff yeah you have yeah. to understand it from their perspective kind of right yeah i think there's a famous example um speaking of french francois Truffaut, the french director of uh, such films as 400, The 400 Blows. Never heard of it. Anyway, so he, he was a film critic in France before he became a, a celebrated director. I think that's not uncommon. Oh. Like, Roger Ebert directed a movie at some point. Really? I think probably not not all film critics, but I, I would imagine a lot of critics probably at some point wanted to be probably. creators first. Probably, yeah. Like, those who, those who can't teach, teach Jim. Those who can't make <laughs> movies have to write movie critics. Shout out Mr. Vivacqua. Yeah. Wow, he's a good teacher. <laughs> he is. No, I love Mr. Blackwell. Um, so that's my history with the movie. We found the review earlier today. And yeah. So we'll run it later. It's funny. I'm now transported back to that time. I wish I remembered seeing it in theaters. Um, I know I did. I just can't remember where it was or who it was with. Um, but yeah, I remember this movie had like a pretty big impact on me. Probably not as big as it did on you, but I remember it being like so different and like interesting. Um, wasn't really like anything I'd seen before. And it was contemporary. It was about this thing that everybody knew about, and everybody had a Facebook account. Um, for you know, Facebook came out in '04. I probably got one. I think I got one in '08 or '09, like right before high school. Uh, or no, before must high school. Have, ended, no, excuse me. I must have had it in '05 then, because I remember I came back and gotten it. So I'd had it for whatever, how five years or whatever. So I was pretty familiar with it, and it was pretty like pretty big part of my life, I guess, at that point. Yeah. So it's like, oh, this is a this is a story about how that was created. It's like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I just remember seeing it, being like, well, this is really weird. This is like not what I expected at all. Um, it's a very unique take on, on that story, and, and you know, obviously Ventura has his style. I think this was the movie that was actually um, brought me to his other movies, like Seven or Seven and 
um, Fight Club, Fight Club, and all these others. You saw you saw Fight Club after Social Network. I think so. I'm not sure, but um, I think I'd always heard about Fight Club, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. I don't yeah. really care. And then like I saw that, and I was like, oh, that's the same guy. Okay, I should check it out. You were the right age for it. Both in like yeah. sophomores in college. Yeah. Like the perfect perfect time for men to see Fight Club. I was like Mark Zuckerberg, just like fragile and sensitive and ready to be molded. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, plus the trailer for this movie, I don't know, if, is like awesome. Uh, I I, could, I haven't seen the trailer probably since. I, I imagine it's cool though. Yeah, there was a. Nah, I'm forgetting. I think it was a Radiohead song Great. that had like a cool, like synthy cover. Yeah. And I just remember that it was like the coolest thing ever. Yeah, I think um, I read about this actually today that it was a it's creep by Radiohead, but it's with like an orchestra. I think mm. so. It's even creepier, kind of yes. like weirder. Yeah. Um, we can even play that probably later on the episode, but yeah. Yeah. So all those things combined together make this. So make this dope. So would you say that this movie kind of um, ushered you in a direction to like pursue screenwriting, or were you already kind of um, in that direction already? I think I was already in that direction, and you know, it's ten years later, and I still haven't done anything. But well, that's okay. You know, I'm Roger Ebert, baby. <laughs> still got time. Um. Yeah, I mean the. All those screenwriting books like take snippets of movies that those people that like had a big impact on those people's lives. So like a common movie is always Die Hard, but all these books are written in like the early '90s, and Die Hard is like one of the more famous movies on the planet. So they're just dissecting movies, a movie that was big and that was impactful in their lives. And so to extrapolate that out, like you know, me as a college kid, the movie that has a big impact on my life is this, and this is the movie that I can go to, and dissect it yeah and it's like you were saying it's the contemporary to you mm-hmm. and so i think that that gives you a little more of like a connection to it i think the reason people do that like they write about big popular movies because it's because that's might be the movie where it clicked for them like ah now i get this like this makes sense like or they or this is the first movie where they view it from a unique perspective which they hadn't thought about before yeah so and i actually just watched Die Hard like last year i think it was about a year ago it was august 2019 first time i've seen it that's a full year ago I mean, it's okay it's a great christmas movie it's pretty good i don't i mean it's not like amazing but well what's not to love <laughs> it's pretty good yeah um i like it i also think it's one of those things where just a lot of people have seen it yeah and so it's easier to dissect a movie that's popular yeah fair enough and it's easily accessible and stuff like that so Thank you for that, for sharing that. You're welcome. Appreciate that. Um, let's get into the movie, talk about the adaptation aspect um, of The Social Network. So what did you think of the adaptation from the novel? I mean, it's really good. Um, what, it, it surprised me on the second read of the book, just because like I didn't remember how much of the movie is actually in the book. Mm-hmm. And that's why I got this, that trivia question wrong. It's just... A lot of the turns of phrase that you remember from the movie are already in the book. Yeah. And so it really feels like very, very literal. Um, almost everything is, from a big picture, almost everything is copied. And again, like, it's history more, like, I'm putting air quotes around history. Mm-hmm. So you sort of have to follow the beats there. But, I mean, he, he took the book, he added some stuff to it which we'll talk about in a second. Mm. And uh, I don't know. They just made it They just made it cool. Was it uh, straightforward, loose, reimagined? I'd say it's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, to me, well, that's my, yeah, I'll say it's straightforward. But I will say there are, like, a couple big ticket items that are different. Okay, yeah. And then, so let's talk about those changes. We'll get into it? Not really. <laughs> I, I want to please that. <laughs> wait a little bit. Um, it'd be like Mark Zuckerberg at the deposition table. Like, what, can you rephrase the question? Yeah. I don't want to answer that question. What do you mean by the affirmative? Can you rephrase, yeah. <laughs> can you rephrase your condescending question? What do you question? mean by, yeah. Um, t- the big thing, and we've touched on this, we don't have to get into it too much, is that the POV is different. Mm-hmm. The book is realistically told from eduardo's pov mm. and with a little sean parker mixed in there like it's very eduardo heavy yeah uh i just think if you're going to make the facebook movie it's got to be about mark zuckerberg yeah and so to me that's like the obvious an obvious change to make right uh the second thing i wanted to bring up is the structure the deposition scenes mm-hmm. are hinted at in the book because mark zuckerberg in real life was sued by both Eduardo and the Winklevi. Mm-hmm. Um, but those those scenes don't feature in the book. Yeah, I believe it was like an addendum at the very end, like a, like a final chapter kind of thing. It wasn't like re- referenced throughout the book. It was like a final thing. Yeah. But, but it was very prominent in the movie. Yeah. So to me, like hearing your uh, eight truths and one lie, if Sorkin had written so much of this already, then like the obvious answer is that he had written these already. Right. He just saw the, like, legalese, and it was very sorkin just to be like, I'm going to fucking put them in a courtroom like it's 12 Angry Men, we're not mm-hmm. going to move, it's mm-hmm. just going to be people yelling at this Zuckerberg kid, you're going to know nothing about him, right. except for the fact that he's on trial, or, right. like, being sued. Yeah, which is kind of an interesting place to put somebody, right? Um, you have three different courtrooms, right, where he's getting sued, and it puts him as, an, as a defendant, but it's, it's also kind of like makes him out to be almost like a villain character, right? He's this, he's this character who is under a lot of pressure. So I, I almost think the... So potentially, yes. I almost think it's like we're, we're in a legal setting where you are supposedly telling the truth. So we're just going to lay out the facts for you. And you think you know Mark Zuckerberg, but here are the facts of the case as it stands. Mm-hmm. Make your own judgments. Right. And he's like a little snot when he's being deposed, but mm-hmm. like maybe that's maybe that's a way to look at it too, where it's just like we're just gonna tell you what happened. We're gonna have two sides arguing. We're not gonna give you any context. Yeah, and that's just gonna be the movie. Yeah, you know, I tried to put myself in Mark's shoes um, when I was watching the movie, and I, you know, I kind of feel like if I, you know, if I made this thing, and then these people were suing me for this amount of money, and they're asking me these questions, I would probably be pretty PO'd too. You know what I mean? Like, there's only so much, um, uh, what's, what's the right word? Like, shit you can take from people. Like, patience, right? Yeah, you only have so much patience, and, you know, I imagine these things are extremely drawn out. And he's, you know, working on this incredible product that's, he's getting a lot more pressure from investors and stuff like that. I'm sure it's very difficult. Um, so I actually kind of felt a little bit of sympathy for Mark, um, going through that, even when he was being, like, snotty and, like, rude and getting in their face you know with all those great one-liners but i think we're learning that you're like very pro big tech yeah i mean in this episode that's what that's what we learned yeah exactly just take all my data and sell it i don't care yeah yeah but i want to talk to you more about the core scenes so in the movie those are like the central driving force behind the narrative Mm -hmm. right it's it opens with him and uh he's on a date with a girl and that's how the movie starts but the narrative 
is uh, flung forward by these deposition scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that's certainly an interesting pr- perspective to write from from uh, from a screenplay screenwriter's perspective. Um, why do you think he chose that as opposed to just telling a linear story? It's a good question. I, I, I wonder if because we have to jump around so much, like having these deposition scenes allows you to do that. You can get into the scene really easily. You can get out really easily. So something comes up in a deposition, that's going to relate back to real life, and we're going to flashback. Mm-hmm. Or conversely, we're going to be in a flashback, and something's going to happen that's going to allow us to move forward to mm-hmm. the scenes, okay. to the deposition scenes. Or I think I, so. I think it's probably a pacing play. And it's just like a, a constant like hit of dopamine where we're always moving, we're always moving forward, mm. we're always doing something. We're talking about Eduardo feeding chickens, and we can go back and forth from Eduardo talking about it on the record to Eduardo doing it, and then talking about it in the dorm, right. back to the court scene. Yeah. Or we can intercut scenes of them meeting Sean Parker at the restaurant in New York. Right. And another thing that probably this adds is this sense of like, awareness about what's going on in the moment so Mm -hmm. because we're we're like eduardo mark these characters are thinking about what happened we can overlay that with what actually happened and now you're not just getting the scenes you're getting scenes plus context Mm -hmm. or commentary from the characters right so it's not like a voiceover but like a voiceover that you're more likely to allow because we know it's coming from the future right so it's it is really interesting because, um, I don't know, you just have these, like you said, flashbacks and flash forwards, but you also have like, this like truth kind of, like you have these people debating, right, their sides of the story, they're debating what happened, and then you have like a scene that's meant to act like this is what happened, or at least that's how it's portrayed, right, because it's, um, it's in a movie, it's in a visual form. Um, so it's almost like you're on this like mystery uh, kind of like tension filled ride um, as to, oh what happened like how you know they're debating how Eduardo felt about something or what actually happened with uh, Connect You and Harvard Connection but this is what really happened they're like showing it to you so you get this like inside look um, from a deposition which I think is like it's, it's, it's a lot more interesting than just reading this is what happened um, because it's an extra added dimension of drama as well because he's there's these high stakes right he could lose all this money he could he probably couldn't go to, he wouldn't have to go to jail right but it's um it's certainly high stakes for him yeah and the character dynamics are different like when it's him talking to the Winklevi in the game room of the porcelain mm-hmm. that's a real-time interaction and their responses to each other are like pretty positive probably because they don't really know each other mm-hmm. but he's telling that story in a courtroom where the Winklevi are like staring daggers at him yeah right. and so it, it yeah you're right it like ump um, umps ups the stakes a yeah. little bit more pumps them up a little bit yeah yeah that's what ump is just like a pump plus up ump that's an oh up. is that what though that no but <laughs> it's a new word that's what that yeah write that down whenever i stumble over my words just it's just it's not a mistake it's actually i've created something new oh is that what that yeah. is okay salvador dolly says that so is that as he said that? No, I'm just, no. Uh, yeah. I'm just, I'm just posting links on Facebook right now. Well, <laughs> Eric's in a different world, everyone. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about the relationships, Mark and Eduardo, um, and then Mark and Erica. Yeah. So, Mark and Eduardo, 
this is I, I think you probably have to talk about both of them together because I think they're both equally as important mm-hmm. but starting with Mark and Eduardo in the book and you can correct me if I'm wrong but they're not really friends they right. are they're they sort of run in the same cir- social circles yeah they're more of like acquaintances who like get along as opposed to like hanging out all the time yeah and they call them best buds in the movie and they're definitely not that Mm-mm. yeah um and adding that is really important to the movie i think because it makes you think mark zuckerberg is an asshole yeah for sure and then you read the book like we did and then someone like you texts me and just says like i have no sympathy for eduardo the dude went to new york for an internship <laughs> yeah and was like totally not even a part of the company did i text you that yeah i don't remember i must have been blacked out <laughs> <laughs> as you are when you always but i do agree <laughs> exactly but yeah. i do agree with that i, I think like yeah, I mean, he basically, I wouldn't say he turned his back on the company, but he certainly was not invested in, in the success of it. Like, yeah, you put up $18,000, cool, but you're like, that's all he you're did. away from That's all. literally all he did. So, which, which, to be fair, is, is a lot of money, right, for a 20-whatever-year-old, 21, 22-year-old. But, like, if you want to be a part of a startup or a successful company, you have to, like, be a part of the decisions. Zoom didn't exist back then. Maybe Skype existed, but um, it's, you know, I guess you, they could call each other on the phone but it's like yeah you got to be a part of it so yeah i still i still agree with what i said yeah but i think adding giving them that like friendship relationship that friendship in the movie definitely helps you lose sympathy for mark yeah i mean it makes the breakup worse yeah between them yeah. Um, makes it a little bit harder to swallow for sure and it, it calls into question mark entirely i don't know if like the central question of the movie is did mark fuck over everybody like mm-hmm. did mark steal it i don't know that's it's, it's part of the movie certainly i don't know i just don't know if it's like the the it's question they're trying to answer not in the book necessarily i mean it's certainly a thing that you could uh come to but they don't he doesn't really spell it out in the way that the movie or insinuate as much uh as the movie does but um yeah yeah so next the next one you want to talk about is Mark, Mark and Erica. Sorry, I interrupted you. No. Well, Erica is my namesake, so... Is it? Just talk about her. <laughs> um, so, this Erica character doesn't exist, or is a composite, or something like that, right? Right, so she did She did not exist um, at all in real life, uh, or the book. Um, so, I think, Mar- I believe Mark was actually dating his now wife, Priscilla Chan, uh, at the time of Facebook becoming a real thing. So, he had a girlfriend, um... So the the introduction of Erica's character in the movie is certainly interesting, and it throws a curveball into the story, but it certainly um, it changes his motivation in a way, uh, in, a, in quite a big way. Um, I think in the in the very beginning of the movie, they he talks about he's talking with Erica about getting into the final clubs, um, and how he needs to do something uh, big basically to get the attention of them. You can't just have perfect SAT stories you need to differentiate yourself in a different way and you know Eduardo has this uh, he made a bunch of money on uh, oil prices or something mm-hmm. like that by reading meteorology so he's got this like extra thing that he can kind of sell to these these final clubs uh, but Mark doesn't really have anything I mean although he did make course match and he did uh, he had that like mp3 thing that you, it's basically like Shazam yeah where you it like basically take uh, can tell what your music taste is. Yep. And so, or he didn't sell it to Microsoft. He just kind of uploaded it for free or whatever. But that's not really cool, right? It's, 
and seeing to do something big. Um, but anyways, it changes the motivation because after they break up, he wants to like kind of get back at her and, and become this like cool guy that he like envisions himself as being. Did you see it? I don't know how you saw it. Yeah, I, I would even broaden that. I almost think it's just like he is always looking for the thing that is going to get him the thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, because he, he, that that first scene is just like a total pinball machine where mm-hmm. they're talking about four different things at once just because of the way his brain works. Do you know how many times they shot that scene? Yeah, it was like 99, right? Yeah. yeah crazy yeah um now you can imagine why they would get like so angry at the end or it's like i'm so sick and tired of sitting next to jesse eisenberg <laughs> yeah oh my god get me out of this. just imagine if they like flub their lines too you're just like oh my god they probably shot it for like six hours yeah i mean can you imagine i mean i couldn't imagine maybe longer than that so it's like a realistically it's like a five 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 minute scene yeah maybe longer and i mean so five times 99 and each cut 500 minutes i don't know Five minutes divided by sixty is how many hours it took. Look, I told you before, I'm not good at math. Yeah, that's right. Um, but but I do getting back to the Erica point. I think it's bigger than that. I think he's he's always looking for the next thing, whether it's getting into a final club, um, rowing, finding a way to make himself more. Like, not wantable. Like wantable. Yeah. Like more people to to like him. More popular, kind of. Yeah, and the ironic thing is that like, no matter what he does. It's never going to happen for him. Right. Because he's just not... He's not charismatic. He's nerdy. He's a he's a tech guy. He's a coder. But I think it's it's got to be something more than that, right? Like, she calls him an asshole. You're going to think it's because you're nerdy, but it's really because you're an asshole that right. girls aren't going to like you. Yeah. Um, I just... It's almost like... The bookmark doesn't understand things. Mm-hmm. The movie mark does understand and he's almost like purposefully dickish yeah i don't you know i to be honest i really don't get that same sense that what she said um that mark's an asshole yeah i mean he's just like he just thinks a little bit differently um and he's not trying to be mean or anything he's just like like i think she says like you're just on a different level like we're having two conversations at once i don't know what to respond to um, I think he's just like too quick minded, too quick witted and like for people to really, and that people take it maybe personally. Um, and he's very sensitive. Like in the, in, in the first scene where she says, what's the easiest final club to get into? He takes that very personally. And it's like, well, why did you ask me that? And that's, you know, typical, you know, young, young adult, whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't, I, yeah, people keep saying he's an asshole, but it's like, I don't, I don't know, I didn't really see it that way. Maybe yeah. it's because I'm an asshole. I wonder, I, I think, I almost think his weakness is being, like, so afraid of how people view him. Mm-hmm. But then he, I don't I don't even know if that's true. He, he's just, like, very, it's very confusing. Because yeah. he would say that, you know, oh, you think the only one I can get into is the easiest one. Right. Because he's not confident enough in himself or his... But I, I guess it's his like body of work right, to think right. he deserves access into anything. Yeah, and so to me that's like a, a self confidence issue. Mm-hmm. So what he tries to do is create like these things that are going to get him attention, mm-hmm. but what he does with that attention is nothing good. Yeah. Well, he like he attracts people into his orbit, and then he either spits them back out. Or they are, yeah. they're like 
corruptive, corrosive. Yeah, so, yeah, because his end goal is to be the popular guy, or to be the, um, whatever, the guy who has this big, big company. I think it might and, be to be popular, or to be liked by... It might, yeah, it's still Erica, because at the end of the movie, he keeps refreshing his yeah. friend request to her. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. An interesting way to end it. Um, yeah, I think I think that's what it is. He has this angle. Is like I need. I want to be popular. I want to be the cool kid on the block. And you know, if somebody's standing in my way to get to that, like, and I'm on the and I'm on that path, like, fuck them. You know, they're not. They're not. He think he in his mind, he's probably thinking, you know, they're not here to support me. They're out for their own interests. So I'm just gonna like fucking wardo so maybe that's his big change is well hmm because now i'm I'm wondering if because by the end he's kicked eduardo out of the company Mm -hmm. and he doesn't go to that party where that gets busted right and sean parker gets arrested for having drugs and being with they're not even underage girls they're just not 21 year olds but there's beer and alcohol but mark doesn't go to that party and mark is at some point, like, on the phone with Eduardo, and he's just outside, where he's at his pool, and he's looking inside through the glass at all the celebration happening inside with Sean oh, Parker yeah. and those guys again. Yeah. So I wonder if at some point he realizes that actually being, like, the popular person is not what I want. What I really wanted was to have, like, one person to really like me. And that's why he's refreshing his friend request. Maybe. Yeah, that certainly stings him, um, the way that that ended. And um, clearly, I mean, he, he clearly made some obvious mistakes with the blogging and calling her calling her out like that. Albrecht. Um, yeah, and the and the bra size thing and calling her a bitch like that's those are things that you just are inexcusable. Um, and that's why she didn't like him anymore. Aside from the fact that she thought dating him was like a stare master, she thought he was an asshole. Yeah. Um, and he couldn't really reconcile that, so you know he couldn't really move on. Even all this money and power couldn't resolve his like emptiness kind of yeah and so now he's starting smaller yeah maybe it is like a sympathetic zuckerberg portrayal maybe yeah i don't know i feel like a lot of people probably weren't sympathetic but i don't know we'll have to watch it again yeah we'll watch it we'll do it in part two um so let's keep moving on what about the character differences between um mark and then chum parker um well, I guess we already talked about Mark, but like, let's get into Sean. Yeah, is it, um, Sean is Sean's different, right? Like, that's not not just me. I feel like in the book, he's he's sort of like Mark. He's really bouncy, jittery, pinball-y. He's got an inhaler. Mm-hmm. He seems really nerdy. Yeah, I kind of liked Sean in the book. Um, he wasn't portrayed. I mean, I think they mentioned that he was like a quote unquote bad boy of Silicon Valley. But I think they even mentioned in the book that he kind of laughed at that that title and thought it wasn't really representative um, of him, even though he had crashed out of some companies. Um, but he was—it sounded like he was just passionate about what he what he produced, um, in my opinion. So I really liked him in the book. Yeah, in, in the in the movie, he's totally like this fucking like snake character. Yeah, played by Justin Timberlake amazingly. By yeah. the way, I thought that was like. I think that's like a such a perfect casting on so many different levels. The Justin Timberlake persona back then yeah. was very smarmy, probably. I feel like a lot of like he's I mean, he's like a sex icon. He's this huge pop star. Lots of women love him. Lots of guys probably like don't really care for him, right? So I think that kind of plays into that. Like 
you know, maybe guys watching the movie are like, oh, this, I, I knew I didn't like this fucking guy, right? Like, I think that kind of plays into it. And he's playing, it's funny, it's ironic that he's playing the founder of Napster, which almost brought down the music industry. And he's like, yeah, one of the biggest, most selling artists of all time. I wonder if, like, if he had any, like, reservations doing that or, like, what his, what his initial thoughts were. Because, like... Or if he got pushback from his peers. Yeah, I mean... Like, fuck you, dude. Yeah, or, or there must have been, like, you know, play, play a fucking asshole. Like, play, you know, tarnish this guy's reputation kind of thing. Yeah, I guess the movie's really not sympathetic to Sean Parker. No, it's not. Like, he's a total, like, total douche. Yeah. But, yeah. But I think he's important... For sure. Um, in the movie... Because they just play him off... Everything's played off Mark. And Sean Parker is a version of Mark who gets the things he wants Mm -hmm. and is a a partier and gets girls and all this. And I think by the end, Mark just realizes that he's... That's not for him. Yeah, I think Sean is what Mark wants to be. Um, And Sean... Or Mark just, like, doesn't have it in him to be charismatic and, like, good with girls and stuff like that. He's smart, but... So do you not think Mark learns anything at the end? Um, no, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I'm sure he learns. So you think he learns that he's just, he just like can't be cool, I guess? Because at some level, like, I feel like he the movie of, is about being cool. Yeah, I feel like he, I wouldn't say he gives up on that, but he sort of realizes even... I feel like he's sort of he's gotten what he's want he's gotten what he wanted which is recognition may it may not be in the form of like girls coming up to him all you know all over him and so it is in a in a little bit of a sense that um and, but he's not like the cool guy at parties and stuff but he, his party is Facebook he's not, he, he's not interested in like the alcohol frat parties or really parties he's interested in having this awesome product that people love that so he I think he had already sort of um, reached that goal, reached that level. He just viewed it differently than, say, Sean Parker viewed partying as actual parties. Yeah. Um, if that makes any sense. Huh? So his, his end goal changed. Like, he realized what he, he... By the end, he just realizes what he wants is different than what yeah. it was when he was talking to Erica right. in the bar. Right. Yeah, he thought he wanted to be part of the final clubs because they're exclusive. You get to meet all these girls. Um but I think in the end, he, he created something that was even more valuable in, than that. Um, he just didn't know it at the time, I think. That that's what he wanted. And now he's, you know, got, like, sunscreen on his face while he's surfing. Surfing. Oh, my God. What a great photo that is. Um, I wanted to quickly mention the whitewashing. Did we talk about this? No, we didn't talk about this. It's not a big deal. I mean, it, it is a big deal. I shouldn't say this. The whitewashing is not a big deal. Whitewashing is a big deal, folks. Yeah. I, I <laughs> But it was it was interesting to see go back and watch Max Minghella play an Indian character where he is a British male. He's of Italian and Chinese descent, um, but he's playing this Indian guy. In two thousand ten, this was a totally different conversation. It wasn't really happening. Yeah, and, I didn't even like. I didn't, even watching it now. I didn't even like realize that. Yeah, and then Andrew Garfield plays a Brazilian American, but he's a British British boy. He's actually born in L.A. Did you know? Him? So he's a fake Brit. He's fake Brit, yeah. <laughs> but that, I thought I would mention that just as a side note. Yeah, I feel like the um, Andrew Garfield thing was always 
I was always aware of that. Although the movie does make him, like, look... Yeah, he's a little more tan. Yeah. I feel like the movie makes an effort to change... I will say... How you recognize him. Eduardo Saverin, if you look at photos of him, he's a white, he looks like a white guy. He doesn't look Latino or Hispanic or whatever. Yeah. At all. So, for what that's worth, if he, anything. Andrew Garfield's not Brazilian? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> he can certainly play a Brazilian. He's a very good actor. But he hasn't really done anything recently, right? He was in, um... He was Spider-Man. He was in, um... Yeah, it kind of sucks to be the middle Spider-Man because people really seem to like Tom Holland. Yeah. Um, who we'll be talking about soon. That's Tom true. Holland. And he was... Oh, man, I forget this movie. He was in like a crazy LA movie un- Under the Silver Lake. Yeah, I wanted to see that. I watched that. It's, on, it it's on Amazon. Yeah, it is good. Okay. I enjoy it. Check it out. So, it's All on right. Amazon Prime. I got that. There you go. That's our next season. Amazon right. Prime and Dime. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. We'll coin that. So... Eric, was this a successful adaptation? I think so. I think it, it probably checks off a lot of boxes that you'd want, which is it maintains the the it maintains a lot of the book while it adds its own stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's not afraid to condense or change or move when that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I'll, who knows what of the book is real? So, just take it and run with it. Yeah. Give it a shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, It's kind of funny. I feel like it probably helped Aaron Sorkin to kind of separate himself from uh, reading the book first. He kind of like started without that. He said he, him and uh, Ben Mesrick would meet every so often and just kind of like get dinner and chat about it. But they wouldn't really share too many notes. They would just kind of share information like, oh yeah, I talked to this person, talk to that person, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Aaron Sorkin is in the movie. He is in the movie. He's an ad executive. Yeah. While Mark is making bubble sounds with his mouth. Yeah. Which it's, not a, it's not a tisk. It's a... Uh... <laughs> That's pretty good. Thank you. You know what scene I hated? I have to say this. When uh, Mark moves out to LA with his buddies to mm-hmm. start Facebook in Silicon Valley, they break the um, the bricks on the, the, chimney. Uh, the chimney. Yeah. And Sean Parker and his girlfriend come to the house and they walk in they introduce themselves blah 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 and uh mark throws a beer oh yeah and it hits the wall right and then there's a shot where he throws it at the camera and it breaks the camera like what the fuck yeah why add that i don't know it just seems so like maybe i didn't notice it before but like watching it now it seems so out of place and like strange it seemed gimmicky like, yeah. this is a cool new technology we have, like, where you can throw it at the camera and it'll, like, maybe they just had glass in front, who knows. All the movies back then were 3D, Will, and they were just like, we'll, we'll shoot this one scene in 3D and was, people will love it. I was very anti We'll charge higher tickets I still am. for this one scene. The best D is the 2D. I feel like the 3D has, has died. Yeah, it's definitely done. Now it's 4K or something. I don't even know if that's, like, a comparable thing but... i don't i don't think so okay whatever <laughs> those are i don't know what k's are but they're not dimensions uh fuck knows uh, not me <laughs> so who won the movie so I, I was trying to bring myself back to 2010 when we um when we when this movie originally came out and in my review you listen to i talk about jesse eisenberg being mm. like the shit and yeah. the one I really liked and he was the one nominated for an Oscar mm. um, 
But I also remember really liking Army Hammer, who's gone on to do like more things than Jesse Eisenberg has, and he's mm-hmm. more of like a traditional leading man. Mm-hmm. But in watching this movie again, in the final Facebook scene where Mark is not going to that party, mm-hmm. and Eduardo comes up to him first and is like yelling at him, whatever. He's wearing an Arm and Hammer shirt. Oh my god. Marquez. And I didn't pick up on it until now. I'm just like, that is incredible. <laughs> they know that Army Hammer is a descendant from the Arm and Hammer dynasty. And they threw that in there just because. Wait, is he actually? Yeah, man. He's a descendant of the Arm and Hammer Army, di- like Army Hammer. That's Their parents named him Army Hammer. They're, I think they all have the same name. They're all like Arm and Hammer... Dude, One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That is terrible. Let me get you his actual name. That is pretty awful parenting. But that is actually really funny. I mean, now that you say that, I can definitely picture his shirt, Arm and Hammer, but I never made that connection. Arm and Hammer. His name is literally Arm and Hammer. His first name is A-R-M-A-N-D. Talk about... Hammer. Megalomania from his, from his father. So whoever started that company, maybe it was the mother. The son of businessman Michael Armand Hammer... And the great grandson of oil tycoon Arm and Hammer. So you you think that the company is named Arm and Hammer, but really it's named after the creator, Armand Hammer. It's actually it's actually pretty good branding. This is like some fucking like inception <laughs> shit. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm glad you picked up on that. What a weird now if I watch that scene again, I'm gonna be like distracted. Yeah. Weird. Um Armand Hammer was born in like California, but I think he grew up in an island, the Cayman Islands, mm-hmm. I think. So, what? That's where you, oh, I guess if they're rich as hell. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tax shelter, babe. <laughs> I didn't know. So my, my winner is the uh, putting that t-shirt in the movie. Yeah, that's pretty good. This is a nice little, you'll get this one day, folks. <laughs> um, my winner is, so I actually kind of, I have two right now. Um, Erica Albright, because... She was a whole motivation, and she basically, she played Mark like a fiddle, and she won, and she ended up getting a Facebook page, and she got a friend request out of it. So, it's like desperate on Mark's part. So she like won oh, that. she won that. I like, got you. She won the breakup. she won the breakup. Wow, that's good. Thank like you. That. Yeah, okay. and also Rooney Mara because she became a pretty famous actress after this, and she got uh, the role after this was uh, Elizabeth Salander mm. for the girl in the dragon tattoo, girl with a dragon tattoo. But I also wanted to shout out to Dakota Johnson for having sex with Justin Timberlake and then going on to have a very sexual um, film career. Yeah. Fifty Shades. She, so, she slept on Sean Parker. Yeah. Not with Sean Parker. Just to be factual. Yeah. Who's your loser? My loser is uh, no one. Everyone in this movie is exceedingly rich and uh, came out on top, you know? Even That's though Eduardo, Saver- Eduardo Saverin's still on the masthead. That's true. The, um, everyone, everyone got money from Mark, whether they were with Facebook or sued Facebook. Mm-hmm. So, props to all those guys. If the, if I was gonna pick a loser, it would be the the real life Winklevi, who uh, came in eighth in Beijing. Not what you want, yeah. and are now like the brand ambassadors for Bitcoin. Yeah, schlocking yeah. out their uh, whatever their long faces and such. <laughs> They're weird looking. Yeah, they are slightly. They're you. They have a unique bone structure. Yes, they do. My loser is the real-life Mark Zuckerberg. Even though he's still a multi-billionaire, he certainly has to deal with uh, people's opinions, uh, which I think he probably still cares about, right? He's 
this movie doesn't is not glowing of the Zuck. So I can't wait till we post this on Facebook and uh, the whole thing is censored. Oh my god! They're not gonna censor us. They don't censor anybody. Bastards. That's fair. Um, okay, so favorite quote? There are so many. Um, one thing that I picked up on this on this watch was one of the Winkle Vi says to the like knowledge that facebook signed up like 650 people in the first day yeah yeah if i was a drug dealer i couldn't give free drugs to 650 people in one yeah, day really i really like that and then i also really like the scene where um eduardo learns how much everyone's shares are diluted and they're just like what was mr zuckerberg's ownership share diluted to it wasn't what was sean parker's it wasn't it wasn't and what was yours Point zero three percent. Boom. Bitch. I like that scene. That's, that's a great scene. Yeah. Uh, my quote is is probably the most famous quote from the movie. A um, million dollars isn't cool. Do you know what's cool? You. Billion dollars. Billion dollars. One billion dollars. <laughs> I think that was probably part of the trailer. Had to have been. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. Any other specific moments you want to shout out? No, I like all I like all the moments with um, Army Hammer. Yeah, I think he's really. I like his characters a lot. I think they're really funny. That's really it. Yeah, I think I, I like Eduardo a lot too. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. I don't have any. I've, I've got nothing. I hated this movie. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. Zero zero Love stars. It. Also, um, it sounds like there could be a sequel. Did I you hear about this? I did not. So apparently. Is there um, a new book written by Ben Mesrich? No, but in January 2019, Sorkin revealed that Rudin, Scott Rudin, producer of the film, had suggested the development of a screenplay for a sequel, uh, noting, quote, a lot of very interesting dramatic stuff has happened since the movie ends, end quote. So, True. could just be smoke blown in the air, but could be something. So, keep your ears to the, what do they say? Keep your ears to the... The pavement? Is that what they say? Uh, keep your ears to the... Payment? Keep your ears of the payment. I don't, I don't know. That sounds right to me. <laughs> yeah, keep your ears of the payment, folks. Because that's coming. Maybe. Possibly. And what are we doing next time? We are doing The Devil All the Time. Um, a, a adaptation coming out September 16th, I think. Yep, next Wednesday. Um, the book was written by Donald Ray Pollock. Mm-hmm. Sort of a... Um, it's like a uh, Appalachian noir, almost, mm-hmm. but set in Ohio. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, we started reading it. It seems interesting. Yeah. I've, I don't know that I've I've like read a book in this tone before. Oh, really? So, mm. it's good so far. I'm about a quarter of the way in. Yeah. Um, so, we'll have that done. Uh, we'll watch it probably in, in the next week and, and put that up when it's done. Yeah. Uh, that movie, I should say, also comes out on Netflix on the 16th. Yeah. yeah. And it stars Tom Holland, Bill Skarsgård, Riley Keough, Jason Clark, Sebastian Stan, Haley Bennett, Eliza Scanlon, Mia Wazikowski. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And Robert Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson, the Batman. Yeah, well soon. So, oh, is he? Oh, yeah, he has COVID. Yeah. R.I.P. I mean, <laughs> not R.I.P. <laughs> He'll be fine. He's hopefully. Batman, dude. <laughs> um, and then also the Dune trailer dropped today, folks. That looks good. It looks amazing. So, I only watched it once, but I'm gonna go home and watch it like three more times. Um, but that's gonna be one of our end of the year podcasts, uh, most yeah. likely. Um, hopefully, we can watch it in a theater. Yeah, dude, I gotta hope so. Did did Tenet come out yet? In um, theaters? Yeah. 
you can see it in some places and not others. Like I, I think California, and New York, you can't see it, but uh, in places with lower restrictions. Oh, okay. To the theater, regarding the theater experience, you can you can watch it in a theater. I wonder if they'll like stream it if it if they can't. That'd be crazy. Yeah, I think they'll probably just wait. Yeah, they probably would. They'll just be out in theaters for the next like five years. Oh my god! Eventually, everyone will see it. Oh God. I'm, I really want to see that movie. Um, and then shout out to the motherfucker Shia LaBeouf. We miss you. We love you. Stay safe. Come wear, on the pod. Wear a mask. Shia. <laughs> Please wear a fucking mask. And then um, enjoy Eric's review uh, coming up in the outro. Till next time. Bye. Hundreds of millions of people log into Facebook daily. They look at photos of their friends, comment on posts, and most importantly, try and stay connected. It takes the social experience of life and puts it online, giving it its cool factor, as it was described so often in the film. The film is a seemingly romanticized case study of Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of the aforementioned Facebook, painting him in a very unflattering light and making him come off as a pompous egghead. The film takes place in two separate conference rooms where two different parties are suing Mark. One is Eduardo, played by Andrew Garfield, formerly Mark's best friend who is suing him for $600 million because he was unfairly pushed out of the company. The other plaintiffs are the Winklevoss brothers who claim that they gave Mark the idea for a website similar to Facebook and he proceeded to rip them off. During the negotiations, a series of flashbacks tell the story of the events culminating in Mark being sued from all directions. The best part of the script it's witty, smart, and fast-paced, certainly guaranteed to win an Oscar. Written by the Emmy-winning writer of The West Wing, Aaron Sorkin, he accomplishes the impossible in this script. Throughout the movie, Mark Zuckerberg is portrayed as a giant douchebag, to put it lightly. And as we, as an audience, are asked to hate him, it seems he is a detestable person. But by the end, the tables have turned, and we are forced to feel for the guy. I mean, he has billions of dollars, but everyone who was close to him now hates him, and he is completely left alone. This type of character flip-flop hardly ever works and usually feels like a cop-out. <clears throat> Wall Street 2. <clears throat> it's not a typical looking David Fincher film. It's more dramatic and less creepy than any of his previous works, but it is a good looking film. Great shots of scenery and characters, but if there is one scene that stands out to me, it is the very first one. There is nothing special about it, but its effectiveness stands unmatched among the rest of the film and any other film seen this year. It is wonderfully acted with sharp dialogue and adequately sets the tone immediately introduces us to the real Mark Zuckerberg. The acting in this film is magnificent. The actors are young, hit actors of tomorrow, and really show how promising their individual careers will be. For me, Jesse Eisenberg stands out playing Zuckerberg, a role we really haven't seen him play before. He is fantastic in his portrayal, showing enough apathy and self-righteousness that you would think he is Alex Rodriguez. <laughs> My only fault with this movie is the ending. I hated the way they just put up the graphics saying what the settlements were. I wish they had filmed it and let us see how the characters would have responded. 
Not a big flaw, but something that slightly annoyed me. Otherwise, an excellent, excellent film. Five stars. <laughs> Just for the record, Eric does not like armchairs. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I like a, I like a, an armless chair. Unless it's a comfy chair, like a leather chair. Mm-hmm. So you like an easy entry exit oh, yeah. strategy. You don't like the comfortability of resting your arms on the armrest. I, no, but now I'm, I'm aware of like my back feels pretty healthy right now. Mm-hmm. Because my arms can rest somewhere, they're not like down by my side. Right. And my back's not just like. You know, as you're saying this, you are resting your arms. I know. On your arms. It's kind of nice, right? <laughs> <laughs> Who are we talking about that doesn't like arms? <laughs> so what we can do? I'm just gonna say that. <laughs>